This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au.
the wonderful Duffy there, Mercy. It's just after four o'clock. You're on In Your Face on 3CR with James. I was bopping along to that track, as was a guest I will introduce very shortly. Okay, first up, I've got Andy Johnston. They are doing a one-person production, a play called Twink Ascending. And then at 4.20, from Chile, uh, Natalie Kozak joins me. She is the star. Also a one-person play called Julia, a lesbian. And at 4.40, I will be joined by Jared Bartle, who is running for Albert Park in the state election. Welcome to Andy Johnson from Twink Ascending. It's a one-person play. Do you feel like you have to go through boot camp to prepare for something like that? (laughs) Oh my god, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. Because yep. you're singing, you're doing cabaret, you're doing drag, you're doing yep. um, storytelling. Oh, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you prepare? Do you mean for the show or, or creating the show? Like I mean physically, to get yourself into that shape and condition to be able to do all of those things in yep. a 75-minute show yeah. <laughs> every night for a week or however long it is. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so I do, I mean, I do a lot of yoga and Pilates and sort of like all that kind of exercise that just sort of settles my body and yep. gets me sort of connected and and not too tight, yep. like muscular tightness yep. because that just sort of um, gets in the way. So we get lots of sleep, eat nice and healthy and sort of pray that <laughs> that I get through it. <laughs> so it's called Twink Ascending. Yep. Can you define a twink for us and tell us why you called your play Twink Ascending? Sure. Well, apparently a twink is is uh, a young gay man between the age of 14 to 25, um, usually slim build, blonde hair. Uh, and that's what I was referred to a lot when I was younger. And uh, when I came out of my last long-term relationship, I kind of came, found myself in the gay world as a single again. And I was like, well, I'm not a twink anymore because I have body hair and I'm sort of you know a bit more muscular than I was and I was – a bit lost. I didn't know where I, where I belonged in the community in terms of a tribe. And so, therefore, that's where the identity exploring yeah. that your play goes into yeah. so much about community identity and where one yeah. fits within it, one's own identity. Absolutely. That must be how it came about. It was exactly how it came about. Because I found myself, I was like, I didn't know where, where I belonged in the community. And I had people saying that I was a puppy or I was, uh, you know, a, a young daddy or all this stuff. And I was like, well, I don't identify with any of those things what do I identify with? And so it's this question of who am I? Where am I going? What am I doing? And that idea of ascending came to me and sort of um, it's sort of this idea of, of who I was and where I'm going and that kind of that journey of, of discovery is what the show's about. So what did you come up with when you were ascending and trying to grab one of those labels? <laughs> um, it, it's really interesting because I, as the more that I sort of dug away at what I was researching and I kind of just got – came back to myself just so that sounds good (laughs) it's great and it's a really amazing thing to discover is just to look at who i am and 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 what i think and what i feel and and just own that and be proud of that rather than having to fit myself into these boxes or labels for other people so that's sort of where i've ascended to is sort of a deeper connection with myself and a greater understanding of who i am and a greater love of that which is nice. <laughs> Your play has quite a few themes in it yeah. uh, that are very, uh, I think, you know, pertinent to a lot of our gay listeners. Let's mm. start with dating apps. Oh my God. What do you come up with there? What did I come up with there? Yeah. I deleted them. That's what I came up with. <laughs> they are gone from my existence. No, it's – look, I have a mixed I have a mixed feeling about them because I think that our community is going in a way of that's how we communicate with each other and now that's how we talk. We walk past each other on the street and we don't acknowledge one another, but then we'll quickly jump on Grinder or Scruff and be like, hey, how are you going? I saw you on the street today. 
It's like, why don't we just stop? Which is nuts. Do you know what I mean? It's nuts. Mm. But I think that's just because we've created this thing for ourselves, which has just gone out of proportion. Um, So it's tough. But I also, my last relationship, I found him on Grindr. We met, that's how we met. So I think there is... There is a use for them, but I think the way that we're using them at the moment and the way we communicate with each other, each other on them is kind of disappointing and a bit gross. So that's why I'm like going old school. <laughs> Masculinity. What yeah. does Twink Ascending Oof. come up with there? Um, it's an interesting one. It's a one that I battled with a mm. lot in the rehearsal room, trying to to work out how to um, how to talk about that topic because it's very personal to me that's something that i've sort of struggled with daily is this sort of thing of this idea of this um man that i'm supposed to be that the world says that i should be this type of gay man that other gay men say i should be and does a gay man actually have to be completely masculine anyway absolutely and i think i think we all have femininity and masculinity within us and and it's just about accessing those and accepting them and, and loving each section of of our being and that's sort of what, what I go into in the show is sort of exploring both sides or well, not even sides, just the whole, the whole mix of it and just sort of, um, and learning to love it because it's who we are. It's what's innately inside of us, everybody, gay, straight, whatever. Like You also explore mm. body image and I mm. imagine that's connected to the whole notion of masculinity as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So what do you come up with there? Well... I mean, that's just connected to that sort of idea of the man that I thought that I was, that I should be, the, the, the gay man with the big chest and the big arms and the small waist and nice legs and a good ass and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I used to go to the gym like five, six times a week, like hardcore, um, posting very racy photos on my Instagram, trying to get a lot of sort of attention because, you know, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's That's how you get connected. That's how you get known. That's how you get out in there out in the world put yourself out there that's what you do and i kind of just put myself out so much that i just lost who i was and i i i cut the gym i stopped going i started going back to pilates and yoga and practicing exercise that made me feel good about myself and connected to my breath and just sort of back to what who i am and what i'm doing i just sort of got out of that gym culture and i feel so much better so much more um yourself so much more myself and that's that's i mean i tie all that into the show this idea of this this amazing body that you're supposed to have that for somebody else it's like what who who's that person so of course people feel conflicted conflicted about their identity Mm. if they're kind of trying to build themselves for somebody else it's Mm. not them no exactly so it's a real kind of tautology almost isn't it yeah 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 so you've been very busy i mean before this production you were touring the world on the priscilla bus i was (laughs) tell us about that i was i was i was on a bus on a ship in the middle of the ocean yeah so what is so tell us about this priscilla bus so priscilla i mean it's the same version that you that might have seen on land it was just here in melbourne um but it's a cut down 90 minute version of the show um same all the costumes, all of the we had a three ton bus on the ship. It was who did you play? I played Felicia. I was wow, yeah, yeah. It was so much fun. So the Guy Pierce character, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's, that's kind of like the central character almost, isn't yeah, it? You yeah, know, in terms was, of the camp element. Yeah, it was really and the fun. racy bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun, <laughs> and I've always wanted to play Felicia. And when I graduated um, drama school, that's the the role that I landed straight out. So that was really exciting to to go and do that story and travel the world at the same time. That was it was an amazing experience. Um, all around Europe and America, and yeah, 
It was wonderful. You've got your own production company do, as well. Yes. It's called Don't Be Down. Correct. Uh, and you revived the queer Australian play Strangers in Between. Now mm. tell us about Strangers in Between and why it needed reviving. Yeah, so I worked alongside Cameron Lukey from 45 Downstairs, um, amazing producer, and he sort of asked me to come on board to help him tackle this this play, um, which is really important. Um, it's It's such a special story. And it hadn't been put on in, I think it was, we worked out it had been 14 or 15 years since it was first put on at the Griffin in Sydney. Um, and so revisiting that story, I think is really important just to... What's one, it about? It's, it's, about um, it's about a young boy who moves from the country into the city and he sort of meets two gay men, one older and one um, similar to his age who he um, has a sort of love interest with. And he sort of learns about himself his sexuality and sort of how to have relationships with these two men in his life it's it's a it's a beautiful story and sort of um one of the actors plays both his love interest and his brother as well so there's all this sort wow. of this sort of story between family and, and and the same actor doing that yeah so one actor plays two characters and so it's, it's a kind three of this guy. play <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, a tad. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a fantastic play. And Tommy Murphy's an, an amazing writer. Yeah. So Twink Ascending, it's yeah. part of Melbourne yeah. Fringe. It is. Where can people get tickets and when can they see it so, and where? Yeah, so um, you get, grab your tickets from Melbourne Fringe Festival website. Um, there's actually only like 45 tickets left for the entire season. We're selling it really quickly. So, so um, act quick, people. Yeah, act quick, act quick. Uh, so you can jump on the Fringe website and book through there. Um, we're playing at the Stables in North Melbourne, which is near the meat market. Um, and we're part of the curated program called Emerald City there. Um, so we open on Wednesday, which is sold out. Thursday, Friday and Saturday at 8.30. Fantastic. Andy Johnson, best of luck with Twink Ascending. And thank you so much for ah, coming into for 3CR. Me. It's been it's great. great. Yeah. It's almost a quarter past four, and here are the Pet Shop Boys.
Pet Shop Boys there. Was it worth it? It's 18 after 41. In your face on 3CR with James. Well, Natalie Kozak is an actor from Chile and she stars in the Fringe one-person production, Julia, a lesbian. She joins me in the studio. Welcome to 3CR <laughs> and to Australia. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, let's tell the story, first of all. Like, Tell us the story. How did you come from Chile to Melbourne to do Julia, a lesbian? Great. So um, I studied in Abu Dhabi at New York University, Abu Dhabi, and that's where I met Alana Avalon, who's the director of the show. And this was our thesis piece for our final year at university. And we just wanted to do a really fun, exciting pink show, uh, which we did. And then just for the fun of it, we applied to a bunch of festivals and we got selected for Fringe. So I went back home, we graduated in May, and she called me, she was like, hey, we're in the Fringe, and I was like, great, I'm heading over there, and now we're here, which is super exciting. It's amazing, because she has her own production company. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we are part of a, it's more like an artist collaborative thing, it's called Tooth and Fang, and we just have a bunch of artists that work in different mediums, so we have writers, uh, designers, all in the theatre, actors, people who just do a bunch of stuff. And we collaborate and stuff together. We think we're thinking of projects for next year that we can include ourselves in. And we just work with each other all the time. And it's really fun. And we all went to the same university. So we all know each other. And it's very nice to have that community that you can reach out to. So it's great. So Julia, a lesbian, explores the complexities of female relationships. Tell yeah. us about some of those complexities you cover. So um, the show, what uh, Alana... Alana's idea, Alana and I, when we were young, we used to watch, we discovered this in the process of making work, but we used to watch so many shows like Hannah Montana and That's So Raven and listen to a lot of poppy Britney Spears music. And we loved all of those shows, but it just seemed that those characters were never lesbians or bi. There were always heterosexual narratives. So we wanted to just recreate something that we would have liked to watch at 14, 15, 16 but with a lesbian character. So um, that's really fun to work with because it's like grabbing all of your childhood things and putting a twist on them and a spin on them. That's just really fun. Uh, Julia's a character that's super... You love her and you hate her. She's loud, she's annoying, but she's very sweet and she has issues that everyone has, commitment issues, uh, relationship issues, and you just see that the way that she carries out those issues with her girlfriend and her lover, um, which is super, super fun. And it's we see like the complexities, but it's also a really simple, fun, easy narrative to follow because we kind of wanted to do that, that narrative that you have never seen done in a queer way. Just put it out there on stage and it's almost like a TV sitcom episode that happens throughout one night. It's a 40-minute show, so it's very quickly paced, and it's just really funny. And it's a great event to go and grab a drink with your friends and laugh and hear good music from the 2000s, so it's great. Do you find that it's really difficult to get your comic timing right? How do you do that? Oh, it's so difficult. I had never done comedy before this, and I find it very hard, but... I love to mess around like in my day to day I'm cracking jokes like all the time I love to take the piss out of people like and myself all the time so uh, our show is actually we have like a script of moments but there's no set 
script in terms of lines or anything like that. So it's just banter on stage. Like the minute I go up there, we have some jokes that we crack always, but whatever is happening on stage, you just... I just grab it and carry it through and just make jokes out of it. And wow. Yeah. That's quite rare, that spontaneity. That is a bit like a live 1970s sitcom. Yeah, absolutely. Which is super, it's very difficult because you have to be super aware of the audience and like what the audience is laughing at, what they're not picking up. Um, you can't just like be alone on stage and in your zone exclusively. So you really have to be like, telling the narrative, but also super aware of everything that's happening around you. If a prop falls, like how do you make that funny? If, You just feel every night that the audience is different and hence they laugh at different things. So you have to be picking that up and just trying to reinforce the parts that they are laughing at and just carry those jokes through further and further, which is super hard. But it's once you're in it, you're in it. And there's just no turning back. Theater is one of those things that you're on stage. You can't run away. You're not going to be quiet. So it's just like, oh, whatever, I'm here. Let's do this full on. So it's really fun. What's the hardest part about doing a one person show? Oh, so much. What's hard about this show is that other characters do appear on stage. No, do appear, but they're not on stage. So Julia right. does have conversations with other people. It's just that those people aren't there. It's her headspace and yeah. that, that's being depicted. Exactly. And so, so you're inside her brain. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so difficult because you're just sitting there and you're imagining this conversation with someone, but that someone isn't there, which is usually what you have in other casts or whatever. You're riffing off someone literally. This time it's like in my head, I say something, I imagine what that person would reply, make the facial expression that would match that and then continue with me. So it's so, so, so difficult. But we had like a year to make the show. So we had so much rehearsal time and it's a skill I think I've developed. I think there's a lot of more work to do with it, but it's something that I'm exploring and enjoying. So you're really more than one character. In the sense that she's talking to people and you've got to kind of be that person. Yeah. Yeah. It's dif yeah, it's a very interactive show in that way. It's a bit it's just I at least I have never seen a show done like in this manner. So yeah, it you just have to be thinking about all it's not like we just focused on Julia. We had to also imagine and really think about all the other characters in her life and know those by memory as well. Like if she's talking to Izzy her friend what's Izzy like and how does Julia react to her and her longtime girlfriend like what's Sophie like and how does she react to her and whatnot and then Linda her lover you actually actually yeah. have to be her as well yeah 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 so it's very you just God. have to really know all of these <laughs> these characters um very well so it's just fun it's been quite an experience but it's a skill set I'm really glad that I've developed and have been working with because until then I hadn't really done comedy at all and it's such an incredible way to work it's just so freeing and entertaining so it's nice why does julia like pink so much oh julia is just that kind of girl she just loves pink she loves britney spears she loves demi lovato she loves eating like nasty junk food in her room alone in bed um she loves like mimosas and champagne and rosé like She's just that kind of, uh, it, she's super girly and very messy and just loud and boisterous. Pink is just the color that went with it. A free spirit. Yeah, totally free spirit, but also quite basic in some ways. And yeah, just someone you love and hate at the same time. Without giving away a spoiler, uh, can you tell us a little bit about why she leaves or is considering leaving her girlfriend Sophie for uh, bartender 
Ninja. Yeah. Um, well, we, I think it had to do a lot. Uh, that narrative came from the fact that Alon and I are 22 and it just feels like that age where you could really commit to something or you just want to just do whatever for the rest of your life. And so uh, we played off that and... Um, I think Julia's thinking about it just because Sophie, her girlfriend, is in a place where she's really ready to commit. And she loves Julia. She's ready to move in, get married, live the life, like get a dog. And Julia is so fun and so outgoing and spontaneous and loud that although she really loves Sophie, she's having a hard time making that final choice to be like, this is my partner for the rest of my life. Um, and that came from a place that I think happens to a lot of 22-year-olds where it's like you're out of university, you don't know what to do next, you don't know if you should commit to that two-year job or you want to travel, and it's just that play between commitment and freedom. And she sees freedom in Linda and a lot of commitment in Sophie, so she's having trouble with those. What are you going to do when you go back to Chile? I could imagine you actually being on television and doing a TV <laughs> sitcom. Oh, I would love that. Um I'm going to go back to Chile, spend some time with my family, honestly. I have a cat uh, that I want to spend some time You're with. You're from Santiago? Yeah, I'm from Santiago. Um, but I'm moving here. Really? Yeah, I'm moving here in January. Wow. Yeah. For how long? Yeah. For, For how long? long? For a year. Great. A year at first, and if it can extend and I want it to, Awesome. Any acting jobs in the pipeline for when you come back here? For when here? I come back? Yeah. Yes, we're actually working on a play for the Midsummer Festival, which happens in February. Uh, and we're doing that through Tooth and Fang with our other collaborator, Lucas Allskamp, who's an incredible theater maker. And uh, it's a play called Press Play. It's about a couple. This time I'll have another actor to work with, which is great. Um, will it be with Alana? Will she be directing? Alana will be direct. Alana and Lucas are writing and directing it. And I'm going to act it and they're in the works of finding, finding the other female lead. So it's a two-person play. And that's going to happen in February. So I'll be here. We'll work on that. And then when that's done, I'll be looking for jobs and more things to do. So Julia, a lesbian, how can people get tickets and give us those dates? Amazing. So uh, Julia, a lesbian, you just uh, go on the Melbourne Fringe website, Julia, lesbian. It comes up there. There's a promo code for our tickets with the word gay and you will get a $15 ticket instead of a $20 ticket. Um, and it opens the next Friday the 28th and it runs until Sunday the 30th so it's three nights um, it's at Speakeasy HQ on Flinders Street so please come it'll be super fun bring your friends wear pink have a lot of drinks dance and sing Natalie Kozak uh, welcome to Australia thank, thank you so you. much for joining us today on thank 3CR you. it's been a great pleasure chatting with you thank you so much it's 4.30 you are on In Your Face on 3CR and here is the bird and the bee Your love, how deep is your love? I really need. 
our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts and so do we. They're a bargain at $20 for adults and $15 for kids and come in black, white, grey and a cool light blue. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 9419-8377. Or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one. G'day, this is Jacob from the Friday Rave. If the week's politics have left you wondering whether it's you or the rest of the planet that's gone completely and utterly bonkers, join us at 5 o'clock each and every Friday for a Friday Rave here on 3CR, where we'll do our best to reassure you that it is actually you, and us. A Friday Rave, bringing the 5 o'clock drinks debrief to you, here on Community Radio 3CR.
of love. It's almost 20 to 5. You are on In Your Face on 3CR with James. I'm joined in the studio by Jared Bartle. Jared is a state election candidate for the Reason Party, formerly known as the Sex Party, and he is running for the seat of Albert Park against the the Housing Minister, Martin Foley. Welcome, Jared, to 3CR. It's great to see you. Thank you for having me. So let's start with your experience in policy. You've got a lot of it, uh, particularly in the area of drug law reform. I do. So I started off my career as a criminal lawyer, as a criminal defence lawyer, quickly left there as soon as I could to move into a policy space. So I'm a, I'm a lecturer in criminal law. I'm a, a policy consultant around alcohol and drug policy, and I'm also a consultant to the adult industry, which is always a bit fun. Excellent. So I noticed on your Facebook page, you've got a new promotional photo up today of you with a marijuana leaf. I do. Drug law reform must be one of your three main policy points for your candidature. It is. It very much is. So um, Reason Victoria wants to treat drug use uh, as a health health issue and not a criminal justice issue. So we have a lot of reforms in my area to do with opening up a, a safe injecting room in St Kilda, with adequately funding alcohol and drug services in the area so that people who need help do need help, and just generally supporting harm reduction services across across the board. As we've seen this week with pill testing, there is a resistance amongst the major parties to evidence-based policy in relation to drugs, and we really need to move past that. The Victorian Drug Law Reform Report came out earlier this year. It had heaps of recommendations, and basically the state government has dead-batted it. Uh, to yes. what extent is there a lost opportunity? Well, I don't. I, I still have some hope for that report. So, one of the key things to come out of the Victorian Drug Inquiry was to set up an independent committee to, to make further recommendations. And I work with all the experts. I know exactly what they're going to say. They're going to say that we need harm reduction services. They're going to say, say we need greater funding to alcohol and drug services. Um, and basically, they're going to recommend the things that I'm recommending as part of my political platform. And so I don't think it's dead. I think that Fiona Patton uh, spearheaded that report, and that report is going to have an impact on Victorian policy in the future. So that's going to be great. You don't think the uh, state government is running a bit scared and they're trying to brush over the issue uh, because they're fearful that they're going to be having a pretty bitter law and order campaign? Well, that's the biggest issue. I mean, and and that's the issue with with someone like Martin Foley. So Martin Foley, um, as the Labor candidate in Albert Park, 
personally, I'm sure, agrees with my entire platform, but he is stuck to a major party that... And he's in cabinet. Yes, yes, and he has influence, but he's refused to do anything really productive around drug law reform, um, refused to do anything about, you know, youth justice issues. So he'll talk about youth homelessness, but he'll support laws which increase the amount of young people entering into uh, justice facilities. And they're building a new prison. They're building a new prison because it's overcrowded. And we, we, have, we have policies that work to reduce violence in the community, to reduce crime in the community. Um, and unfortunately, that evidence is not being listened to because of this rhetoric of law and order. And that's what this election is going to come down to. It's going to come down to a back and forth about who can be tougher on criminals, quote-unquote. Uh, we really need people to be smart on crime and actually follow what the evidence says. Albert Park, of course, is a very diverse and multicultural area. You've got the uh, public housing high-rises there. Uh, and, of course, law and order must be a fairly big issue around there. Uh, how would you respond to how the state government has handled the issue in relation to so-called African gangs? So this issue of African gangs, as a, as a consultant, I've been frequently um, quoted on this that, that the, the, the term gangs is not appropriate in this circumstance. Gangs uh, probably overinflates what the issue is. It They're, connotates organised crime, doesn't well, it? Well, it connotates an ongoing issue when what I think what we actually have here is a overrepresentation of younger people within a particular demographic. And we know particularly young men between the ages of 18 and 22 who are unemployed are at a higher risk of offending. And that's the reason behind this overrepresentation of African migrants within our crime statistics. And we know how to tackle that. It's nothing to, to freak out about. It's something that we have evidence to support interventions in. We need to increase the amount of diversions for that demographic. We need to do early intervention at the very first sign of antisocial behaviour amongst young men to ensure that they don't continue on in, in terms of committing crime and committing antisocial behaviour. So on the one level, um, you know, the community is concerned about crime and I think that 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 government should respond to that, but they should respond in ways that we actually have evidence to support, not to play into racial fear uh, and not to play into this exaggerated notion of rising crime rates. Crime statistics came out this week. Crime continues to fall in Victoria, and we need to keep that in mind. Have you thought about preferences? For example, how will you be rating on your how to vote cards? Are the Greens, Labor and the Liberals? What order will you put them in? Do you know yet? Well, I mean, I would, I would, I don't think the Greens have actually come out with anything too substantive on criminal justice policy. So, you know, at, at this stage, again, Martin Foley personally is a is a um, is a good guy. He's just tied to a major party that is not not moving anywhere in terms of progressive causes. Um, but the clearest thing that you can do to send a message to the major, major parties is to to put Reason Victoria first. If if drug law reform if progressive criminal justice reform um, and if what I'm calling responsible personal freedoms, things like the legalisation of cannabis, things like the decriminalisation of sex work, uh, if those issues are the chief concern for you, a vote for reason will tell the major parties that they actually need to step up the game in these, these areas. To what extent are you anticipating the possibility of Labor and the Greens having to form some kind of coalition government? I mean, normally governments go backwards in terms of their number of seats at elections. Uh, are you anticipating that or do you think this public transport plan that Labor's come up with is an election winner? 
Oof, I don't want to make any predictions. I don't want to make any predictions in that area. The one thing that I would say is if it is a balance of power government, um, we need a minor party that's actually going to work with the major party to bring about reform. So if you are hedging your bit, uh, your bets on a minority uh, government, make sure that you get other minor parties in there than the Greens. Um, Fiona Patton has done amazing work to actually work constructively with the major parties uh, under the heading of Reason Victoria in order to bring about reforms, whether that's safe zones around abortion clinics, whether that is the Victorian drug inquiry that's been passed. Um, you need someone who's actually able to engage with the major party in a minority government, uh, not a minor party that's just willing to kind of take the back seat. Of course, Fiona Patton is the leader of the Reason Party. She seems pretty safe. She's in the upper house and uh, she's from northern metro, northern that's Melbourne correct. metro. Yep. She must be pretty confident. That she'll well, be returned. Again, we are we are we are fighting a campaign. I don't want to be overly confident no, about anything. Not. I don't want to be overly confident about anything. And look, for for me, running in Albert Park was uh, a choice to put forward the things that I actually care about. To put forward uh, a case for a safe injecting room in St Kilda. Put forward a case for cannabis legalization. Put forward a case for sex work decriminalization. Um, and to actually make sure that the major parties have a wake-up call that, that, that politics isn't what it used to be and that people actually are demanding change from them. So what kind of a campaign are you going to run? I imagine you're going to have a pretty strong presence on social media. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, my area, I think, has is quite diverse in, in, in terms of the different demographics that are there. Hugely diverse. Very, very diverse. And I think, I think I, um, I've been engaging with local community groups. I'm engaging with a local um, sex worker peer organisation um, called Sex Work Law Reform Victoria about uh, assisting them because they're constructing a bill for decriminalisation. I was going to ask you about that. We've had uh, Scarlet Alliance on the show and Jane Green's been on a few times this yep. year. She's from the Vixen Collective. Yep. Uh, they're pushing for the decriminalisation of sex work in Victoria. It sounds like uh, you want that as well. Definitely. And I think in particular in St Kilda, because, you know, unlike other areas, they do have more street-based sex workers. And we've unfortunately seen uh, some really horrific violence towards those sex workers in those areas. We know that decriminalisation improves the relationship between workers and police it's currently not at a stage um, where there is that good relationship and just to just to ensure the safety of workers in the area uh, decriminalization is a, is a minimum what will you do for the lgbtiq communities if you're elected well this is very important to me and very very dear to my heart as a gay man um I am I am not a fan of symbolic gestures to the LGBT community. I think that you should have substantive policies behind you. Reason Victoria wants to expand vilification laws to include sexual orientation and gender identity. Uh, we want to end the war on drugs, which actually does disproportionately affect LGBT Australians. We are disproportionately or um, more represented in terms of drug use. We are therefore disproportionately criminalised and punished for drug use. In particular, the, the TGA ban on amyl nitrite. I think I'm the only political candidate that's actually come out against that. Um, Is that happening here in Victoria? Well, it will extend to Victoria. So if the TGA reschedules to Schedule 9, uh, there will actually be criminal penalties associated with possession of amyl nitrite. So you can't call it CD cleaner anymore? Well, it's not just affecting sales, though. It's affecting people who actually have it in their possession. That's what's, that's what's really offensive to me, is that it's criminalising gay and bisexual men for, for 
uh, a form of sex that they have. And I find that completely ludicrous. Um, so I'm one of the few candidates to come out about that. We are also one of the few parties that is coming out strong against religious organizations having institutional privilege in order to discriminate against LGBT people. And that's alarming because Scott Morrison's looking like he's going to pick up with the Relic Report, whatever's in that, and, uh, and run with it and try and legislate before the next election. Federally, that's going to have state implications as well on state-based anti-discrimination law. And it's incredibly worrying to me how the states are going to react to that because they've let stand, uh, you know, equal opportunity uh, legislation having an exception for religious organisations. They've let stand uh, tax exemptions for religious-owned businesses. So private businesses are able to uh, obtain tax-exempt status under the current regimes that we have here. And we're one of the few parties that's actually coming out strong against those institutional privileges for religious organisations. Jared Bartle from the Reason Party, thank you so much for joining me today on 3CR. And good luck with the state election. We'd love to have you back before November. Of course. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.